Hi everyone, Shannon Tipton here and welcome to the Learning Rebels Coffee Chat, where all the cool L&D peeps hang out. While you're here, don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on future chats. Today, the cool kids are tackling creating training that sticks. Organizational L&D budgets top $82.5 billion. That's billion with a B. So why isn't training getting the job done? A recent Harvard Business Review report points out that only 12% of learners say they apply the skills from the training they receive to their jobs. This is an issue. So the question on the table today is, how can L&D better adjust for after training learning reinforcement? Although learning happens during training, this is only the beginning. So how can we level up ongoing support? So without further ado, let's get to it. Today, we are talking about sticky learning, ensuring learning reinforcement, making sure that we're not doing the spray and pray as I said in the email that went out earlier this week, and getting learning to a place where it's not just an event. You know, even if we have an event, how can we ensure that we have that type of learning stickiness? And in the last email that I sent out to you guys, I put together like a seven-point planner to help us think about what is it that it takes in order to get from here, let's just dump it on people, and then to actually make sure that it sticks. So what were your thoughts? Those of you who downloaded that planner, it was just something just really quick, seven points. But what were your thoughts around that? Was that helpful? Did I leave anything out? Should we add to it? What are your thoughts? I mean, I'm a sucker for checklists. So if you give me a checklist, I'm, uh, I'm happy. The initial sort of thought I had was there are some points that are about the learner, like number two, know the target audience. Mm-hmm. I thought it was somewhat heavy on centering us as the trainer. And I wonder when I think about sort of sticky content, certainly a lot of it is riding on us and how we design the space and the experience. And I, maybe my expectation was to hear more about what do we need from our learners in order to make the information sticky? Anyway, that's just a thought. That's okay. That's a great thought. Let's start there. What is the expectation then? We have a certain role in the setup of this and ensuring that we have content that is indeed sticky worthy, if you will. Now, what is the expectation from the learner and how, how can we set them up for success? So what are your thoughts around that? You know, when I was working in the, as a cost accountant in the factories, I'd go out and interview the workers because they had to build bills of material for cost in production. I found that some people can learn easier, better, if I go out and actually put my hands on what they're doing and showing them how to do it. Or uh, other people can't be bothered and just show up and do their work and go home. Those are the two varieties of people I found in the factory. So. Mm-hmm. I found interviewing the people and what they needed and what they wanted. Some guys and some of the ladies out there even told me that all they really wanted to do was be noticed and appreciated and they do a better job. So how do you attack that? Well, I think that that's 
something that is worth diving into, right? So when we talked about learner motivation, which was a topic that we had a few weeks back, we talked about learner motivation, but that is critical to what we're doing, right? So you've got to have that learner motivation, intrinsic or extrinsic in place in order for them to want to pick up the training after they participate in whatever learning initiative it was. So I think that that is certainly something that we need to take in consideration and certainly something that we can add to our list here about what is understanding or what is the learner motivation, right? I would get questions like, that's fine, but what's in it for me? What, right. Where do I go down the road? Can I get a promotion out of this? Can I get a raise in pay? And mm-hmm. rightly so, they have to think about themselves and their kids and their food and all that. Right. And does Sign that fit that. into point number four? when we're talking about ensuring relevance. So maybe it's not just ensuring relevance. Maybe it's also ensuring motivation. I don't know. What are your thoughts? I think we kind of venture between number two and four a lot with knowing what their motivation is and then how do we ensure we continually motivate them down in number four. I attended um, your workflow training this week. Oh, you did? Okay, good. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of this, it goes hand in hand on just in time training or, um, you know, how they can learn while they're on the job. And a lot of it is, can they get access to it? And I'm a firm believer that information that employees need to know should not have a gatekeeper, if that makes any sense. Totally so agree with you. I kind of feel like it kind of meets and goes hand in hand with your topic that you spoke about this week. Thank you. And thank you for attending. I appreciate that. So yes, I did a webinar earlier this weekend on learning in the workflow, and that was for Speaks for a different conference. I agree. I think that if we're going to put out those learning reinforcement nuggets, then they have to be easy to find. So I think that there's something there about accessibility, and they shouldn't have to hunt for it. I do like the idea here with Stella put, so you give a transfer sheet at the beginning of the training. And then you have them write down ideas that they can take away. I think that that's something that kind of like creating their own job aid, right, Stella? Yes. And um, the best is really when each participant tells the group what they are going to do and it inspires the rest of the group to make people responsible and really to have this time for reflection. You know, that's what most of the people are not able to do, really to think about what they can uh, do better. Mm-hmm. I like that. I was going to say it also gives them some time to translate some theory into practical takeaways. That reflection and that discussion within the group can lead to some really good ideas about how to take the theory into practice, which often you know we get criticized for not having enough practical elements, at least in my world. Right. Well, I think that's true in, in all the worlds. And I love all of those exercises where they are collaborating amongst themselves in a group and planning on taking action. Now, what role do we have, if any, after the fact? Right. So, again, we're still focused in on the event itself. So, moving right. beyond the event. So, now what? There has to be some type of touchback or feedback or, you know, check in to see if they actually implemented. I mean, it should correlate with what they're doing. So are they able to apply it in their everyday work? Right. 
And so is that us picking up the phone? Is that sending out a survey? Is that work observation? What does that look like in your world? I think part of that actually starts in the beginning when you're you're scoping it out and working with the key stakeholders to find out what that could look like and Mm -hmm. how you can partner with them because they're the ones sort of benefiting, I guess, from the, the new information, how you can partner with them to reinforce some of the ideas. So maybe there's a communications campaign you can work on jointly after the fact. Yes. I like doing those a lot. They're kind of fun. Or maybe there are some, you know, key statistics or something that you can look at together to kind of judge how impactful it was and then what might need to be done to reinforce the training afterwards. I love that idea. I don't think that we plan enough communication for after the event. We plan all sorts of communication before the event to make sure we get the butts in the seats. And then we don't really do a whole lot of communication after the event. So I love that idea. Do you have a template or something you use for that? No. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Right now in particular, I'm very limited in terms of the creativity that I can use. I've switched roles, Shannon, since we've last spoken. So I'm no longer under Sandro. So my creativity is stymied a lot more now. Oh, I'm sorry. but when I was doing it with him, it would just depend on kind of what the course was. And so it wasn't like a specific template, but talking to the different people that were involved in like the subject matter experts in the training, finding out what what they thought would work, what might not work. So for example, for antitrust, which is a really dry, complicated subject, we did a really short training program, um, which I think was good. And then online, and then we followed it up by having an antitrust week where I curated a bunch of sort of fun things about antitrust rather than focusing on just the really dry aspects of it. So for me, it kind of depends upon what the subject matter is and how you want to kind of develop the interest. I love that idea. I really do. And it's even themed. So you could say your antitrust week or your... Six Sigma week or or whatever it is. And then you can plan resources to be sent out either through an automated email stream. You can plan that ahead of time, right? Yeah. Plan those automations. Or somebody had mentioned a chatbot. I love me a good chatbot. So you can send those out every day for a week afterwards. I love that idea. I think that's very clever. Cool. Yeah, because if we think about the state of mind that people are in at the tail end of an event, and I use the word event loosely, that could be an e-learning program, it could be a virtual program like what we're doing here, or even a live face-to-face type of thing, people's brains are kind of full. And then also towards the end of the event, they're also worried about, okay, I got to go check my emails or I got to go catch the train or whatever it is. And they're not really thinking about the conclusion of the learning. So when you do a campaign like that, that follows up in the week after, it brings all of that information back to life. So I love that idea a lot. I think that that's very, very helpful. And I also like Laura's idea here where you've added the embedded learning to the one-on-ones. So Laura, do you want to talk to me a little bit more about that? How have you managed that? Yes. Hello there and greetings from the UK. Um, Oh, greetings. 
Yeah, so we have uh, something called quality conversations uh, as our one-to-one. So it's very much a support and coaching for performance improvement. And what we have, I'm going to say insisted on sort of corporately, whether it actually takes place in, in practice, of course, as we know, is a different thing. But there's definitely a section on asking staff how any training that they have gone on has been embedded and we're starting to make the answers to that how they're applying it and the embedding of it quite crucial to the allowance for going on the next piece of training and even talk about putting it into readiness for progression so you've really got to show the value of what you did how you've been applying it and how that has increased your development to a level where you are now ready to make the next step. And by next step, I, you know, as we know, that can be a move to management or it can be a lateral move or it can be, you know, drilling down deeper uh, to becoming more of a subject matter expert on something. Yeah, really trying to embed that. Oh, great. So then you're actually connecting it to either skill progression or career progression or progression within their roles. That's right. Yeah. That's really smart. So that brings back to the, <laughs> yeah, so that brings it back to the relevance part, you know, that whole what's in it for me. You mentioned monthly. So are you doing these conversations monthly, Laura? Yeah, so we do something called quality conversations. That's a one-to-one. I'm sure many of you do that sort of one-to-one check-in. And we have refined it to three areas. So one is uh, well-being. The second is around performance support. We're calling it that. The third one is development. Okay. And so everybody is expected to have a discussion with their staff, including those three areas every four weeks. I love that. And I love that there's nothing business related in that conversation because Mm. salespeople do this a lot, I think, is where they have conversations with their managers and they mix up the conversation. So they talk about their sales goal. And then they talk about something else. And now they're all worried about their sales goal and they're not worried about their development, right? So we, yeah. we've conflated the business talk with the development talk and it's not always successful. So I like that you guys have it broken out like that. I love those three topics. It's been a few years coming through. I think I've worked on this now for about two, two or three years. And actually part of it is changing that manager mindset. To right. that one-to-one is actually, as we've called it, a quality conversation. It's not a check-in on performance. You can do that other ways, especially nowadays. You know, you can share a link to an Excel sheet where you can see, you know, have they done the right number of calls or met right. the targets or whatever. You don't need to waste time in a one-to-one on that. The only thing that you need to do in the one-to-one is to check out where there are some anomalies or outliers or that person needs to fall. And that's the message that we're really strongly getting out of our organization. Yes. I love everything you just said. You're (laughs) gold stars all around. I really think that that means a lot when you think about the learning transfer is when people think that you're really invested in learning. If they think that their managers are just as invested in their professional growth and development, then they're going to be invested. So I think it's a, a symbiotic relationship, right? That's what we're, that's what we're aiming for. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It is a good way to embed it in the culture. So Eileen, you're scheduling emails with little micro learnings and reflection questions. 
You said, but you don't do this all the time. Is this is because it's targeted towards larger initiatives or why do you think it's not consistent? Well, it mostly comes down to staff resources. We've been short on some staff who would normally be doing that. Our learning management system isn't as powerful as we'd like to kind of automate some of it. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but mostly it's staff resources. We like the idea, we see it working, but that seems to be the problem. Uh Which I think begs a whole another question is, do these sorts of emails have to go out via your learning management system? I see CJC is like, of course you lose the historical uh, ability to record that individual's journey. I always fear the additional complexity that it adds when it only makes our life more convenient versus the learner's life convenient. So that's helpful for us to capture that data, but sometimes it could be a little wonky for them on their end as the user. Yeah. And sometimes I even question, I don't know about you, CJ, but sometimes I even question, do we do it just because we're doing it? Do we even look at these reports? Does anyone really pay attention? And most likely not. To that, I say, then go to your marketing department because your marketing department has the ability to do just that. So they can help you send out automated messages, either using whatever email tool that you have embedded within your workplace, or maybe using something different. So it might be a free version of MailChimp or something like that, where you can just automate all of these things at a click of a button. You know, So there are other tools out there that might help you make your lives a little bit easier, if you take it out of your learning management system. So that's a call that you have to make on an organization level. But I think a lot of times we just were in that comfort zone of our LMS and we don't really think about breaking out of it. And sometimes we can. So I think that there's that. And Lillian, uh, the question here is, is everyone using email as your follow-up communication tool? Is that your main way of communicating? David, I see you shaking your head. What's your main communication way? It's very personal, but I'm I'm very anti-email. I think we're all over communicating by emails and we need to be more innovative and more adventurous in how we communicate. So what we've used is WhatsApp. We use WhatsApp a lot um, in the organization and also MS Teams. And I saw there's some other comments that mentioned that too, because there seems to be a nice link with that, even though I'm not overly excited about Teams, the functionality, there's some components are very useful. And I think it's lovely to have a system where you can keep that journey or that link of conversation going um, and refer back to what was at a later stage. Email does still exist. I've noticed generally across the business, it's been a shift in using less and less email. Mm -hmm. I agree. I see some of you may be out there using Slack or Teams, Facebook for work or even WhatsApp groups. My question around WhatsApp groups, and I'm part of several WhatsApp groups, do we or should we, or do you, David, do you set up a WhatsApp group by class, by initiative, by job role? How do you keep it from being just overwhelming because it is a text message stream? That is the challenge that we currently sit with because we, I'm sure we all suffer from I know in South Africa, we're obsessed with WhatsApp um, and everybody sets up a WhatsApp group for everything. So we sit with probably hundreds of WhatsApp groups on our phones, but it's an instant messaging. I think it's the quickest way to communicate. It's very direct, very personal. You can participate or not. 
your question was, there's not necessarily consistency in setting up a group for every intervention. Um, we, we've done that with more of our EQ side or from a diversity and inclusion side, we, we've set up groups there because we keep on feeding information, clips, videos or commentary um, that we send out just to keep keep it fresh of mind and, and to keep people aware of the latest updates that we may be, be referring to in, in that field or link to an article. And that just keeps the, the conversation going around a topic that we may have that we may have covered. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Text messaging is absolutely if you really want to communicate with people, text messaging is that way to do it and chatbots of science mind chatbots itself, of course, different than a WhatsApp group. You know, when we talk about learning in the flow of work, right, Sunny Lynn, it's like, right, that's where people live. So if we can catch them where they live, then that becomes even more powerful. So if you were doing an intervention where the job role was middle management, then maybe you had a WhatsApp group for middle managers where they can have conversations and you can send those themed things. So it could be like that antitrust week on WhatsApp. You can build, I think, interesting and engaging conversations that way. Is that how you guys would see that? What What are your thoughts? It's just a matter of if you're going to do the texting and, and the chat box and all that kind of stuff, I would actually, you know, after we say we trained a guy to drive a tow motor, we'd go back out and talk to the guy and say, how are you doing? Is anything wrong? Or, you know, and we do that for weeks on end not becoming a friend, but becoming someone that if he wanted to walk in and I'm the controller of a company and he can walk into my office and say, listen, I got a problem. Okay, let's sit down and talk about it. We build that relationship. And I think that's really, really important. And we had hundreds and hundreds of employees and I could walk to the plant and people say, hi, Brian, how are you doing? We knew everybody because we made it a point and management made it a point to know everybody, you know, not their personal stuff or anything like that, but if you have a bad day, if you've got a headache, slow down production, take it easy. You know, you can always catch up later kind of thing, you know. And I found that if I go out and say, okay, guys, we're going to learn how to do this today. It's great. And we'd all sit in the room and do it because we were friends. You know, I don't know if you can do that in GE or, or you know. Honda. I think you can. Yeah. I think how we build friendships now or how we build relationships now is is very different than what we used to consider a normal right? So uh, we have connections here. I've got, like I said, I've got several WhatsApp groups where it's just a huge, robust conversation happening on a variety of different levels. The conversation is just uh, about job searches. And I've got somebody who I need help with mentoring and coaching. And all of these conversations are free flowing within this because there's trust. And I think regardless of the modality that you're using, as long as there's a trust factor there, then it's going to be a win. And I think that that is also part of learning reinforcement is that they're trusting us to give them something that they can use. And if they trust you as an L&D person, then the acceptance, I think, is going to be there. I think it's going to be even more powerful. And I think that this builds to creating that relationship here. So Thomas, you had talked about your upper management welcome video. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? We came up with a different philosophy this year, trying to uh, create a a whole different environment for our emergency response training. We came up with a slogan, a new way of thinking. What we did was then went from there 
instead of doing the pre-assessment like we always do, we send out a 20 or 25 question and have them do the pre-assessment. And for the most part, it didn't seem to just do a whole lot. So this year we decided to kind of get the buy-in to management, like somebody was mentioned earlier here. And so we got upper management to create a welcome video, about a minute and a half, two minutes. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago about how simple it is. I think Brian, you said it. We just took an Apple iPhone literally and we did a couple of quick things with it. And then we eventually decided to go a little further. Actually, we got the buy-in and management actually put a little more money into it. So we got somebody a little higher up to do it, but we had them do the video and they did a welcome. We sent it out six weeks prior to the training. And we followed that up three weeks later with an introduction to the presentation and saying, hey, by the way, this is, you know, remember this, this is what we're going to do instead of, again, the assessment. And then what ended up happening is we got a lot of positive feedback. It kind of got them six weeks and then three weeks before the training. And then all of a sudden when they got to the training, it wasn't like one class, you know, once a year for six or eight hours. It was a little bit here, three weeks later, a little more. And then three weeks later, we actually had the, the formal training and we got some really good buy-in. So a lot of positive reactions to um, getting them prepared or warmed up. So. That's what I was referring to. With yeah, that. I like, I love that. And then if you were to capstone that a week later, so if you had management a week later producing a video for the after effect to say, here's what I hope you guys gathered from this. This is what I hope that you're going to do with it. These were the tools. This is how it might make you better at what you do, might make you smarter, better, faster than what you, how you were, you know, before you entered the class, et cetera, et cetera. You know, that would really round that out. I actually, somebody mentioned that I just wrote down on my notes uh, about a post-training follow-up with something. Somebody made that and I thought, you know what, that would be perfect right now because what we set up and we've done kind of at that point, we're just putting together an executive summary. You know, I just wrote it down. I think that would be perfect. That would be a a great way to end uh, how we've put this whole training together. So whoever said that, I can't remember who said it, but thank you. I got it in my notes. We're going to do that. We're going to try and get somebody to do a follow-up on it. So yeah. Yeah. So cool. I think that's very cool. That's very cool. And I think that goes back to, I think we're all just sort of gravitating to that theme week. At least I am. I'm fixated on it now. You know, this theme week afterwards. I think that's just such a great idea that can work on multiple levels. You know, it's it's the old adage I remember. And I have no idea how long I've known it, but it's tell them what you're going to tell them, then tell them, then tell them what you told them. Yeah, that, that is so true. And what you're saying is the truth. And follow up and say, how'd it go? Right. Did I do a good job? Sure, you're an idiot. But anyway, that's beside the point. Because no, 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 no. When I started out, second year accounting student, Honeywell, the president come down. He said, okay, Brian, you're going in a plant for two weeks. You're going to sit on the line with the people and find out what the hell they did. That's what I had to do. Then I come back up and caught up on my work. But I didn't mean the idiot. But anyway, it's just... <laughs> You know, no, that's okay. If, if, we, we we get it. I just think that there are just so many unique ways where we can ensure that that learning transfer happens. And it could be going back down and visiting people afterwards, placing those phone calls. You know, uh, Dawn, I love that you mentioned that psychological safety conversation that we had uh, a few months back, because you're right. It is all about building that trust. Right, Dawn? I think that it's just so logical that that trust has to be built 
along every step of the relationship, starting with whatever happens before the learning event. I love that the videos coming from the management team mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. build that sense of unity that we are in this together, that we care about you. You know, we know this is important. And so we want to invest in you. Just the whole process and everything involved in the learning leads into that trust. And, you know, if that trust is broken somewhere along in that pathway, then that learning reinforcement piece is going to be more difficult. I had a terrible experience, but now I'm just blowing these people off. Yes, yes. That's such a great connection that I totally missed. I love that you guys are bringing that to the surface. It's like it's something that we intuitively know, but I think it's important that we say that out loud. I love that you are bringing that back up again. And that goes with what Jennifer also put here in the chat about storytelling. Part of the basis of building that trust is that story communication. And if we can see those stories that continue to move forward, then I think that we're just adding layers, right? We're adding layers about not only just learning itself, but the experience Anyone else doing something in regards to reinforcement? So Gabrielle, she had mentioned that she had written a chat bot, which is cool. So I'm Kelly McEwen. I'm a senior manager of global training. I'm an instructional designer, and I'm also a compliance professional. And so I do a lot of the compliance training. So I work in the medical device field where the compliance is very, very complex, so much, um, especially when it is interactions with healthcare professionals. And this last, uh, the end of last year, the uh, Office of Inspector General issued a special fraud alert. They don't do this very often. And when they do, medical device and pharma, their ears perk up because it's what it indicates is that they're going to come after us for illegal activities or what they consider illegal activities. So we needed to get the word out. And then we created our chief compliance officer created very complex rules. Now I tried to talk her down from the complexity of the rules, but She's the chief compliance officer, right? <laughs> and so, um, so I it was a challenge for me that we introduced the new rules at the mid-year meeting, and we sent out FAQs and and we did some online training about it. But then what I did is the rules are too complex to remember on a regular basis, so. I created what's kind of like a storyline app that's downloaded to their iPads and they click on an image on their, you know, an icon, it's called the event app and it has the rules on there. And it's very, very pictorial, very kind of like, I tried to add pictures where I could and made it very easy that they could just tap what are the meetings inside the rules and what are the exceptions to the rules and what are the professional education event rules and then some FAQs at the bottom. And and we hosted it on SharePoint. Our SharePoint administrator left and now our chief compliance officer has left. I'm trying to get analytics about how frequently it's used (laughs) because I spent a lot of time on this. But it is there and we can send people links and we tell them, just go to your iPad and look here. Here are the rules on your iPad. And at least I can forward that to them and hopefully there's use. I'll let you know about the actual use (laughs) of statistics the next time. Hopefully if I can get somebody in IT to tell me. But that was a way that I knew that there's no way they would remember what these rules are, that they would have to refer back. There was no one and done training on this one. It's too complex. And so 
It wasn't like, oh, you can't do that. I mean, a lot of compliance training is you can't do that. You can't give gifts to (laughs) people can remember that, but the more complex rules, a little bit more like subtle, those are where they have to refer back. So that's something that I did. Love that idea. A mobile app. You know, I'm kind of the queen of just figuring out how to do something with the tools I have, like in PowerPoint or Storyline, right? And like, if I wanted to go buy an app, then I would have had to go through like a whole contracting, legal's overwhelmed, that would be three months. So I kind of looked at, can you host Rise or Storyline files on SharePoint? And the answer was yes. So I was like, hmm, okay, Hmm. I'll make something that looks like an app (laughs) in Storyline. Sure. Form follows function. Yes. Yeah. Right. If I had to learn how to do mobile app programming, I just don't have time, you know, I have a zillion things to do like we all do, right? Right, right. Can I ask you a question on your Mm -hmm. compliance? Do you have interpretation in there? Because if you come across a particular thing, then it's okay. If this, you know, like, why isn't it yellow? Right, yes, we do. I have examples of of meetings that fall under the quarterly limits and the ones that don't. Uh, When can you meet with them without, following any of these rules. It's when you don't buy them anything. You can meet as many times as you want, <laughs> as long as there's no exchange of value. Go out, go for it. You know, you don't okay. always have to buy them coffee. You Pay know, your own beer, eh? right, right. So yeah, every single rule has examples in it. Yeah, and I like that. Every single one. So yeah. I like that. And I think that it's really great. We, uh, we've said this a thousand times is that with the tools in front of us, we're only limited by our imagination. You've got the tools. So now do you know how they work? So with Storyline, (laughs) do you know how Storyline works and how it works with SharePoint and you can make these things happen? So a lot of times you may have access to some really cool tools and it's just a matter of digging into them and figuring out what they can in fact do for you. Mm-hmm. You know, so I love that you discovered that. I, I learned something new. I didn't know that you could do that. So that's really cool. That's probably because I don't have SharePoint, you know, as a business owner. Yeah. I, well, I we needed some secure place to host it. And then right. if we had hosted it offsite or in some other share, then we would have had to go through the whole privacy, like all the privacy assessments and everything and security. And I was like, oh God, I'll never get it done. Like it'll be six months before we get through all the security stuff and everything. And I was like, oh, we need something. So it's possible. Just FYI, guys, you can host your Articulate Storyline or Rise files on your SharePoint. So if you have a course and people need to refer back to it and they don't want to log into the LMS to find it, you can just put a link on it and put your RISE course or your storyline course, or maybe I'm thinking of just about putting some, like a chapter, like bringing out and just bringing right. like a chapter of my RISE course or a chap, you know, section of yes. my, just because people need to go back and remember, like, what did she tell us? Yes, that's exactly right. That's exact great idea. Because when you think about learning transfer, you need to think about what is it that you want transferred? You don't want the whole course, Mm -hmm. right? You want the bits that are high use, high impact. Mm -hmm. So high use, high impact. Those are the bits that you ensure that you're putting in front of people after the event. And then they have constant access to that. And I love that it's on an an app like that, because even in an email, you might lose that email thread. 
They have to bookmark it or they have to remember it. How about this? How about if your learning reinforcement was anchored in like a Google site or even in SharePoint, you can create your own little website, like a little Mm -hmm. homepage type of thing. Yeah. So what if you created just a web page where the different resources were that was not gated like a learning management system is, Mm -hmm. and that maybe you had an access point on their mobile phones or on there. So like developing a little Mm -hmm. app, you know, where it's, it's accessible and they can find what they need to find. So IT knows how to do this. They, they said, send me the icon and we'll attach a URL to that icon. It goes out to our SharePoint URL and pulls up the share. And you have to press play like it is like, right. but most people will press play that you people have been watching YouTube long enough. They will press play and, right. and then it comes up. If you have, uh, I've, I've built forms in design to PDF and then you can go into not reader, but PDF itself and mm-hmm. uh, Acrobat, and mm-hmm. you can actually send someone a form, and on it is all, are all of the links, and they're all active. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, a list. Yeah. Yep. And, and That's a good idea. It's a yep. cake, because yeah. Adobe would actually show you how to do it for free. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I use it all the time. That was my very, very, very first order form. It was a PDF form. There you go. The guy sat down and ordered stuff. There you go. And I know that with chatbots, I've built these sorts of chatbots before where somebody just goes into the bot, types in the word tools, and then the tool kit shows up, whatever toolkit, and then they can click on whatever it is that they want. So I want this checklist or I want this video. And this also leads me to talking about audio clips. So audio clips as learning transfer. So you can create a private podcast as it were. And in this private podcast, you can put little audio clips. And I don't know if you're aware of it, but you can build an Alexa skill. You ask her for XYZ information or XYZ podcast, and then she'll play it. So you can put learning reinforcement into your devices. So your internet of things devices. So that's something to consider. And it's actually relatively easy. I've experimented with it before. You know, so your IT department would probably be able to help you with that. So that's another way of thinking outside the box. Almost everybody's got some sort of Internet of Things set up in their home or even in their office that they can use. So I have a question about that bot. You're talking about maybe for coaching non-sensitive information. Correct. Okay. Correct. Okay. Yeah, I would not put your secret sauce or um, compliance information that way, but certainly for (laughs) bring up the XYZ negotiation tips and then the response would be, which one would you like? Or it will just play whatever the latest series of that is. And then they could get negotiation tips or leadership tips or whatever sort of audio clip that you want to attach to it that might've come from your session or from your event. There's something to think about. If you think about doing it a podcast style, then it continues to build. So one lesson builds upon the other or one audio clip builds upon the other. And of course you don't have to have it attached to your internet of things. You can have that just as a link on your desktop or on your phone or on your mobile device that people can just access depending on how you posted it. Would that be interactive as well? 
It doesn't have to be interactive. Think about salespeople. You know, you've got salespeople are generally hostages to their cars, planes, and trains. And so they don't necessarily have the ability to watch a video while they're driving a car. We wouldn't want them to do that. But if they could access audio to help them with, let's say they just went through a sales training class of product, product training. So now you're going to put together a bunch of little audio clips that might suggest features and benefits, something that might say, here's a glossary of terms for this new product. Anything that is good for audio, not necessarily is visually required, you know? In my past company, we have that same challenge. And so what we did is we did a lot of videos and articulate story files and whatnot. And I would take all the audio files. I would take the video and basically the video would be posted in the LMS. And then I would extract from it just the audio file and save it as a podcast and keep that in a separate audible only folder so that people who are driving had that or going to a meeting could get that just in time to just get the pieces that they needed audibly. Yes. So we've got some high-tech suggestions there that we've talked about. Low-tech suggestions. I'll throw a quick low-tech suggestion out while we still have a few minutes left. One of my most more favorite uh, learning reinforcement things for low-tech is somebody mentioned this earlier about having them write down their takeaways, right, and talking about that in the class. What I would have them do is I would also have them write those takeaways down on a piece of paper. And they would put it in a self-addressed envelope. And then I would collect those envelopes and mail them, snail mail them to people two weeks later. And so they would actually receive it in the mail. And when they open it up, they're like, oh yeah, these were the ideas that I thought were really good ideas. And then you also put in there like a little cheat sheet of something about where they can find additional resources and that sort of thing. That's a low tech type of reminder that might be a nice surprise for somebody. And I usually have them fill out the self-addressed stamped envelope at the beginning of a live session because then they don't know what I'm going to do with it. And then at the end, I say, okay, this is what we're going to do with it. Anyone else got a low-tech idea that you want to toss out here real quick? Well, certainly there's the concept of sending like a survey of how the class went but you disguise content information, like how much do you recall from this section of the training, right? And then the act of actually them trying to remember what they recall is actually reinforcing training. Yes. Yes, it is. Great example. And then part of the survey could be, what was your top idea? And maybe you had a a multiple choice, right? So they selected whatever it was. Top idea, um, negotiation skills, Build trust. Okay, so they clicked build trust. And then maybe the branch of that survey is, oh, we're so happy you chose that one. Here's a little video about building trust. Right. So that can be incorporated into your survey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I totally agree that surveys are sort of a sneaky way of getting learning reinforcement out there. Really agree with that. Yeah. So, and it reminds me, if you're asking, how often are you using the skills? One, you're going to find out whether or not they use them. And two, if they're not using them, maybe it would say, oh, I should probably start practicing whatever they learned. (laughs) Right. Or include, like, if you put a handout in your class, if you included Mm. the handout in the survey, then that way they might remember it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Good idea there. You guys were great.
Thank you, everyone, for hanging with us for another Learning Rebels Coffee Chat, where we discussed learning stickiness. The big takeaway today, one, build a community of practice to support learning needs after training events conclude to host follow-up discussions and build relationships. Two, build weekly learning themes based on past topics and send those additional learning nuggets to participants. Ongoing performance support has always been a hot topic. And in the chat conversation, there are many great ideas for you to consider. I know you will find at least one to apply to your organization. As a reminder, all the resources can be found in the show notes below. And while you're there, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on future chats. To learn more about how you can join the live coffee chat conversation, go on over to learningrebels.com and sign on up. In the meantime, stay curious, be rebellious, and take over the world. Bye for now.